You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. I'm Warren Pies, founder of 314 Research. I'm joined today by Tony Greer of TG Macro and the editor of The Morning Navigator. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm great, Warren. Trying to trying to keep track, but uh, doing just fine. How are you doing? I'm good. This first day for me doing uh, the daily briefing, and uh, it's one of those uh, fun first days trial by fire, you know. The the quote that came to mind today for me watching market action is there are decades when nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen by Lenin. Uh, it feels like today was a month jammed into a trading session. So um, looks like we're closing uh, a little bit above the lows, but still 100 points off the highs we saw. The big story I saw today uh, was the Zelensky press conference basically uh, arguing that uh, Ukraine didn't have to become part of NATO. And that was a big concession. It felt like that's what the market was trading off of. Uh, I thought we could start there and get your impressions of that. And more importantly, how the market traded around that news. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Warren, it's a good good question. It, it seems like um, the Ukraine story, that, that Ukraine headline was relevant in that it probably I don't know, maybe maybe it kind of neutralized the situation just a little bit, you know, and it, it was a move back toward. I, I mean, I, th- I feel like it could have been a step off of volatility and it didn't really pan out that way. I don't think, you know, it, I'm trying to just look at the markets and the markets are still very much in shock today from having been recently shoved into the next dimension uh, in terms of price and magnitude. You know, we're, we're seeing things happen that are we're seeing consecutive multi sigma breakaway rallies to new highs right across jet fuel, heating oil. Uh, we've got gold breaking out now. Nickel is gone. They put the LME gone fishing sign up because they had halt LME trading, you know. And so, you know, th- this is where the Bloomberg commodity sector has begun trading like a meme stock. And I don't know if people understand how serious this is and how long this could go on, uh, because the duration to me seems permanent, like we're breaking through to a new paradigm at some level, trying to handle all of these commodities simultaneously going berserk, because that's something that I haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree with you about the new paradigm. I think the canary in the coal mine today was oil. And so, you know, even though we had this announcement and there was a bit of a risk off, kind of risk on bid and maybe some short covering, honestly, when we when we got that announcement, but oil still didn't give back the 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 gains that we've seen. And so I think that that's two things. Number one, uh, you know, the, an announcement is not, it's a good step, but it doesn't get us towards a resolution of the conflict that's been driving markets here. And I think more importantly, We've jumped off a cliff with the sanctions and the the moves we've made globally that we can't go back. We can't go back to just two weeks ago, 
That was a, a dividing line for history, and I think that's what the price of oil was telling us. And so, maybe that's a good uh, good place for us to dig in. And, and um, you know, it's first time for me over here talking to you. So, what what is your view just from the intraday on oil, and then maybe broaden it out? What are you seeing in crude oil markets? You know, let, let's let's do that exactly, Warren. Because the thing that I've been the dynamic that I've been jumping on as a as a price performance and price action junkie is that you know a lot of the time the intraday rotation now and this year especially the intraday rotation matches the weekly rotation matches the monthly rotation matches the performance on the year and so to sort of just just uh you know unpack that a little bit you know today today we've got a rally uh, that's a counter trend you know we had a little bit a few sectors in counter trend rally mode and those have been the junk that's down the biggest on the year, solar, airlines and retail. You know, also today we saw the rally, a rally in oil services, semiconductors, though. So that energy sector is strong as could be. Um, and semiconductors are just a retracement rally. So while it's been all over the place, the broad general, the general theme out of the great rotation is natural resources up and to the right. Everything technology is getting repriced. And that's that's the key to the different paradigm that we're in now. That's the key to um, the sort of uphill battle that portfolios are going to run into trying to pivot to what's going on now in a sensible fashion. And that's creating this volatility. I think we've got a situation in markets where there's a little bit of money coming in that's very get me this exposure on now because I don't have it in the energy metals and mining grain space things like that and indiscriminate selling of technology because we know if rates are going higher these you know um growth stocks are not going to be able to sustain the trajectories that they've sustained so that's why this is the whole dynamic here that we're pivoting into and i think i still think the world's way behind pivoting their portfolios into this type of price action so that's how i'm trying to play it warren it's really really difficult but You've got to pick your spots and be patient. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's funny because you and I didn't get a chance to talk really before this, so I didn't know how you were going to come at it. But I, I, we've been saying the same thing at 314, is basically uh, energy sector is less than 4% of uh, S&P market cap. And so you get this rotation from all these sectors that make up a, a huge percentage of market cap that needs to get into the energy space. That's a lot of buy it through a small doorway and that's you know and there are not that many stocks there's not that many pieces of spaces on the chessboard that you can go to really so you know that's why you're seeing everything from oil field services to the the integrated i mean chevron was up six percent today um it, it's a rush to get exposure and it doesn't surprise me if you the thing we were showing even before the russia ukraine crisis the thing we were pointing towards for our clients was that the energy sector had a negative correlation to every single other sector in the market so from year to date, the energy sector is more than is has has gained more than forty percent or about forty percent at this point. Every other sector is negative. You know these are unprecedented times for energy, and it and it really, if you think about it, energy equity exposure is hedging many of the tail risks, most of the tail risks that you see out here uh, in the market. So yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I think you can put like you could you can definitely see it happening in the flows, in the data, in the in the correlation matrix too. 
Well, the, the flows are what's key because the flow, the flows in, in uh, periods of, you know, with the VIX at 34, there are portfolio manager tire tracks all over the all over the tape. You know, so it's fairly clear to see how the flow is going. And I love, like you said, I love to zoom out to the sort of year to date performance. Right. We're not even a quarter into this year and we've got oil service. Excuse me. For example, oil services up 57 percent on the year. Uh, XLE up 40 percent, the Bloomberg commodity sector up 30 percent. And then everything that's below that that's up 20 percent or more is all natural resources, XME, uh, natural resources, metals and mining, gold mines. And you look at the bottom of the performance on the year and everything that's off more than 20 percent is a sector of technology, a home builder or cannabis. Yeah. Right. So like at the beginning, you know, when I when I try to unpack Warren, how I you know, I'm a big uh, I, I love to jockey performance into year end and see, you know, how what sectors are going to finish the best and the worst. And I'm trying to figure looking at this rotation now, what reverses what could reverse this? Right. What what could reverse this where the 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 uh, the the jaws that are widening now where natural resources are going up and tech is going down? What makes that trade retrace? You know, because we're we're entering this new paradigm where the commodity exposure, you've got to have it. And we're entering the paradigm where guys have been long technology and getting fat on it for 15 years and it's not going to perform and they don't even know it yet. So I feel like that this could be a protracted, you know, long experience where by the end of the year, we might have energy sectors up 80 percent, 100 percent and might have some sectors of technology down 40 percent. 50% by the year is over. I don't see why not. So that, that's going to be the battle that we're going to fight this year. And if, man, if you imagine being on the wrong side of your portfolio. It won't take too many years of this rotation to wipe you out. So yeah. it's, I think that's why the money flows are really critical to watch. Right, right. I mean, you're going to, in the, you get the quarter in, you're going to have window dressing because nobody, people want to own the stuff that's been working. So, I mean, that kind of is a feedback loop. Um, you've seen just anecdotally, you know, Occidental Petroleum up 90% year to date, uh, you know, as Berkshire is building a position there, right? I mean, so that's a good example. It's a it's a large cap stock, but even the large cap stocks in the energy sector has been be beaten up for 10 years. They're not that big when you're moving, you know, huge pools of capital around. So, I mean, when you start moving those flows into the energy space, you have outsized moves. Uh, so, yeah, this thing can run probably a lot farther than uh, most people would, would imagine. I like, I like that observation, Warren, just for a second, into where we've got a high profile, a huge magnitude move into, like you said, a stock that was just left for dead, really, right? For the last several years, just underperforming, underperforming, comes out, Warren Buffett is now rotating into Oxy, right? We're gonna have all the minions following him into Oxy and into all the corollary names that they're gonna get long, you know, so that they're not in the same name as Warren and the diversified. And yesterday, Tom Thornton points out on, um, on, on a great George Noble spaces, he was like, big cap got shot today. And I went down the bottom of my loser board and I was like, oh my God, the list of individual large cap names what everything between a two and three sigma spill on the day, you know what I mean? Names like Starbucks, American Express, Cummins Engine, McDonald's, you know what I mean? Just like all these huge cap 
consumer stocks that literally all had massive just everybody out. And that's probably the smart money starting to get out of those names and get into, like you just pointed out, a lot of the energy and following that. So that's why I still feel like it's early, despite the fact that we're so stretched. You know, energy is stretched to the upside, sure. Tech is stretched to the downside, sure. There'll be retracement rallies there, but this is the flow that's going to keep feeding its way into the markets. And I don't see what changes that um, unless we... You know, there's peace between Russia, Ukraine headline. Um, you know, there's a serious tightening headline out of the Federal Reserve, which we haven't seen much at all of yet. Just a lot of saber rattling about a 50 basis point hike and some uh, balance sheet reduction. But we haven't had a negative month of um, balance sheet performance where we take actually securities off the balance sheet. Every month it's been higher and higher, even during that jawboning. So there's been no attempt to you know sort of monetarily tame this beast that's flying out of the bottle now and i'm concerned that it's going to fly so far out that it's going to change things permanently around the world and i feel like that's what's going on right now i would agree with you uh, i i had an interview with maggie lake uh, on real vision last week it was came out yesterday i kind of already felt like it was getting stale just from like a few days in this type of crazy environment but we walked through our numbers for you know what's going to happen uh, with the oil market uh, going forward. And basically, if we're at a one and a half to two million barrel day deficit pre all the Russia-Ukraine uh, conflict, you know, just even with the most favorable assumptions, we're going to end up with uh, about a four million barrel per day deficit that uh, we're going to have to close as a, as, a, as a market. And that's, you know, we're talking about a market that's typically between like half a million to one million barrels a day in between supply and demand that's you know so you can get demand destruction of a, of a quarter million barrel a day just from price and but you you know the amount of demand destruction and these are with favorable assumptions that we're making the amount of demand destruction is going to need to happen in order to close that gap is it's really the only precedent we have is covid when we did full-on lockdowns where we saw that kind of demand fall off um so I'm not saying that that's where we're going necessarily, but you have to try and put it in perspective that that's the amount of demand have to, we have to kill in order to balance the market in that scenario. And that includes maybe SPR releases and other things. But when I think of that, when I step back and that's the, the pay, picture we're dealing with, which is a huge deficit, even under the most favorable assumptions, China taking more Russian oil, Iranian oil coming back to market, Saudi Arabian oil, Saudi Arabia increasing production, UAE increasing production, shale increasing production. We're still at a four million barrel deficit. We have, you know, higher prices even in the face of a slowdown because we could slow down for a while and still have that that gap, which that sounds like stagflation to me. And I haven't been this inflationary, stagflationary person over these years. You know, I've been very patient and data-driven and how uh, we at 314 see the, the inflation narrative unfolding, but it's hard to escape when you start doing the numbers, the, the very basic numbers of, for these commodities, major commodities to, to um, prices globally. Stagflation seems to be the outcome because even as we kill demand, we're gonna have higher prices. So this energy stocks, energy, anything that hedges that outcome, which seems you know probable to me at this point in time, is a, is a good place for your portfolio. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, the light bulb, Warren, just went off for me. I, had, I hadn't been a believer in either stagflation yet or um, in the gold rally yet. And this week has done a lot to change that. The last week and a half actually has done a lot to change that because I feel like, as you know, like we were talking about, commodities are busting through to a new paradigm now. And with everything going up at once, I agree with you, man. Stagflation seems imminent. And because there's going to be, you know, there's going to be destructive pricing in the energy space that's going to, you know, destroy some level of demand this summer. Um, I think the read through that's important is, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia doesn't have the excess capacity that they've always had, nor do they seem entirely likely to put the brakes on this rally at any point, nor have they. Right. Look at look at the last set, the last turn of events that that's jump out of my mind is, number one, Biden pivoting to say, oh, you know what, we're going to go ask Saudi Arabia potentially for some oil from them for output. And the next headline that I saw was Saudi Arabia raises prices to an all time high record for all Asian clients. Right. So essentially just pushing the market away from, you know, the U.S. energy consumer that's looking to cover this deficit. And so that makes me even more bullish. And when I see, you know, I finally got my head screwed on right in gold um, by realizing that gold is rallying due to the stagflation that that we're pricing in that you and I see, and maybe also due to civil unrest that I think is going to be hitting the screens at some point. I don't know, in the next two to three or four quarters, because we pushed the price of grains away from a large swath of the impoverished population, you know, and that's where we start leading toward that Doomberg, um, you know, starvation diet type of theme where, you know, prices have just moved too far away from the poor in our country to feed them. So we're going to have that kind of crisis and gold does well in that scenario. So I finally, the light bulb went on that maybe this gold move wasn't just a knee jerk to a short-term Russia-Ukraine conflict, rather a more secular move breaking out of the range because the market is now acknowledging stagflation, potential civil unrest, and this new paradigm with all higher commodity prices. You know, so that that's the 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 gold has been the thing that I've gotten wrong that I've had to come around to. But now that I think I understand it, I feel like there's plenty of time to get on board on those trades. I still think it's early innings of that branch of natural resources appreciating versus say the broader s p or something like that yeah i i mean we've been uh I, so our models have been bullish gold for a few months now uh i've basically been in the wait and see type of camp because we had this 1680 to 1950 range in in gold that we've carved out for you know about a year and a half now and I mean, obviously, if you've watched charts, you know that when you have these long consolidations, whichever direction you end up breaking through, you usually get a pretty big move there. And to me, what we hypothesized coming into the year was that 2018 was an analog for 2022. And in 2018, we saw, you know, Fed tightening. You know, my thesis has been a little out of consensus uh, and probably different than yours is that this economy is too asset price dependent and can't really handle 
higher interest rates from the Fed. So these cycles are compressing. I feel like in 2018, everything was down, but gold did start to rally in the middle of the year. And then it in, it was at 1,200 and it started its rise. It's two or three year rise up to like 2,000 to an all-time high. I think you see a similar development taking place right now. I think gold was looking through all this hawkish chatter about the Fed and realized that if the Fed does move that hawk to that extent, that there's going to be a, a commensurate uh, loosening on the other side of that. And so in my view, gold was starting to look through that stuff. Now you throw all this instability. We said when we, we made our, our big piece on gold, that gold is basically a reflection of political uh, and policy uncertainty. And I think you, you've, you've thrown the most uncertain backdrop now into that mix on top of what we saw coming already. Uh, you have to have, I think you have to have gold exposure uh, in this market, you know. Um, so one thing I was going to, you know, this is obviously a new thing for me, but I wanted to, before we left the topic of energy causing a recession, I wanted to get this, uh, get this clip from Peter Buchvar in Maggie Lake, where Peter was uh, basically laying out his case, which sounds like it agrees with you and I about uh, the, the high probability or the increasing odds that this spike in oil and energy prices more broadly is going to lead to a recession. What are your views on the impact on consumer confidence in Europe and the drop of disposable income due to the higher energy um, inflation in Europe? Can this tip an already slowing economy into a global recession? We talked about stagflation before, but you know how much worse did this get? And the energy prints have just been unbelievable coming in in just in just a week. Yeah, it's going to be extraordinarily painful. Uh, n not necessarily as painful from on the crude side as 2008, but look at you know natural gas is is going to be extraordinarily uh, painful, uh, both in terms of heating one's home, but also powering the electricity grid and and, and industrial production there. So uh, I do expect uh, a recession around the world. Um, generally speaking, I mean there will be parts, of course, that will get through this. Uh, but Europe is going to be uh, hurt the most. And uh, I mean, going into this, look at U.S. consumer confidence that was at a 10-year low uh, or more than a 10-year low going into this further spike in commodity prices. So in inflation hurts. It's a major tax. Wages are not keeping up. And uh, that alone uh, will result in reduced spending. And it's, you know, add on effect to uh, the rest of economic activity for sure. That, that was kind of uh, in line with what we were talking about, putting a little finer point on the, the real risk of recession that's been introduced into the uh, into the markets with the conflict. So uh, getting a lot of uh, questions, really, uh, to what do you do in this backdrop, Tony? I mean, the, one of the ones that keeps popping up here, you talked about gold. Uh, you know, how do you look at one question specifically is, how do you uh, think about the difference between trading fundamentals versus uh, geopolitics and specifically to oil? Like, how do you how do you marry those two things? I don't. I keep them separate. Trade, trading and the politics are two different stories, right? I mean, the trading is just the managing of the risk um, and and managing the politics is next to impossible other than, you know, trying to react to what happens on the screens. 
So to just kind of distill that into where I am, for example, you know, I've, I've, I've been long, I've been bullish energy and long oil for, I mean, 18 months to two years now. And into this rally, I've gotten as light the oil, the commodity as I've been, whether that be right or wrong. And I've kept my energy stocks because I'm, I'm generally bullish that rotation that I talk about. So for me, it was an okay time for the trade to let the oil out. You know, when you have, you've got that big, you know, we, I've been wearing, carrying this along for, you know, a couple of basis points a day, a couple of percent a week. And all of a sudden the market hands you 20%. As a trader, you kind of take that and run and not really worry about it. But the, the idea is, is that if you're not involved in all and you have to figure out how to get anchored in this space, which is something that I've been talking a lot about across conversations oddly enough, is that when things go parabolic, in addition to sort of moving your set of bids up to the markets, you've got to keep an egg timer on those bids so that when the egg timer goes down to zero, if none of those bids get hit, you've got to do something, right? So in addition to having the egg time, in addition to having the pyramid of bids below the market, that's nice and interesting. But if you don't get hit, then you never get to participate in the trade. So when you set the egg timer alongside it, and after a couple of days, if you don't get hit, it's like, okay, I've got to take a piece of this bid and go to the market. And I've got to get off zero exposure so that I have something to lean on and to trade against, right? If it comes my way, I can add to that position within reason. If it goes my way, um, excuse me, goes against me where I'm trying to buy and I get that little anchor on, sometimes it goes far enough your way that you're ready to add a relevant position because you've got confirmation that you're right again. So there's a couple of different ways to play that, but it's um, it usually leads to more trading and not less for me. That That's sort of the way that I manage it is I'm, I'm constantly giving things a try and then getting right out of them if they fail right before my eyes. Sometimes that's a small loss, but other times it's, you know, moving money to something where the whole world knows that it's going that way and just sort of getting anchored on one piece of the position so that you're not off the zero boundary for the move and kind of, kind of think about it from that stance, if that's fair. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I and mean, one of the things I've always said is uh, I like to build conviction off fundamentals, but manage risk with technicals, which sounds yeah. like what you're, you're saying. And then when you get into this kind of backdrop where volatility increases, and uncertainty increases, I think it's really important to have a target weight for whatever you're doing uh, and rebalance aggressively. So, you know, these positions can run away from you. It's like a lot of the questions I get right now, it's um, really like, what do you do with, you know, this energy position that's just, you know, exploding relative to these other sectors? Well, if you're managing a balanced portfolio or have some kind of a target, you need to aggressively rebalance, get yourself back to weight. So you're never overexposed more than you want to be to that space. So those are my kind of, my two cents on it. Um, I love yeah, it. Get back to regular weight and reallocate, right? Like that's that's kind of the idea. Yeah, because if you're doing that right, you're buying weakness and you're selling strength within the context of your, your you know, your targeted position, you know? I um, like it. The one question that I know is kind of read me to you just from the pre-call we had is, uh, you know, it really about President Biden and does he have the authority to halt all U.S. oil exports? And does that present a risk to the energy trade? Uh, I know he had a press conference today that caught your eye. Any comments there um, about the question specifically or the press conference uh, today? I, th I think the thing to focus on is, um, 
you know, it's 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 pretty clear that they are doing sort of in the face of adversity. This trade is getting jammed on the tape. You know, I think I think that's unfortunately the message that you get from Biden and the White House press secretary with with my utmost attempts not to be political about this. We're being you know, we're dealing with people that um, are talking to open minded, bright eyed traders saying that the reason energy is rallying is because of the Russia Ukraine story. And we've been covering the energy rally that started with the Biden administration and their war on fossil fuels. So it's really to see this move exacerbate on the screen where we had oil go from 40 to 130 while they're in office and them telling us, you know, we're still going toward this ESG movement. We're going toward, you know, carbon neutral. Pete Buttigieg came out and said, you know, high gas prices are a bitch, but you can always go buy an electric vehicle, right? Even though he's not even alluding to the fact that they probably just doubled the price of electricity with, you know, the war on fossil fuels. So they're being extremely disingenuous. And that just leads you to believe as a trader, like, oh, the ESG fail trades. Conviction just went to the moon on those today. Uh, uranium, buy the uranium because these guys are going to run us right off of a cliff to the point that we're going to have to find alternative energy solutions because they're not going to let U.S. oil come out of the ground. So if you know that's that that to me is the tell that we unfortunately have to take away from that press conference and sort of adjust accordingly. Like you know, the the message I think is they're not going to let seven dollar gas scare them away from the electric vehicle pivot, right? We're going to go ahead and buy all that metal from China to build the batteries, to build you know the electronic infrastructure, to build the cars. We're going to go get that metal right from Beijing at record prices, and we're just going to take our medicine, you know, and that's really that that's kind of uh, it's scary for as an American to see that. But that's what we're going to have to make our moves against in this market. So I think people need to pay close attention to that. We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, and as far as exporting oil goes, I think you, you know, we were, we were banning exports. We, you know, Exports were banned for most of you know modern history here in the United States. Didn't change anything. You know when shale production came online, it just created a huge discount for American crude versus uh, Brent crude oil. But ultimately, unless you also ban refined products and all these other you know because you don't put oil in your car, you put gasoline and diesel fuel uh, into your 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 vehicle. So ultimately, if you don't ban refined products, then those products are going to trade off of the global benchmark, which is Brent. And so Brent's going to be out there setting the price for the for the things we consume. So exporting oil, I mean, I'm really shocked. I know that desperate times take uh, create desperate people here, but like I'm really shocked at at some of the suggestions that are coming out. Some of the this is not a solution. Um, banning exports, you know, we're we're seen to be rapidly moving away from globalization. I, I mean. 
there's headlines every hour about where Russia is not going to export this or we're not going to import that. I mean, we didn't even talk about today uh, banning Russian oil imports, UK banning Russian oil imports. Um, I, you know, th these things aren't solutions. Uh, these are, you know, desperate moves that are really more indicative of the the the, the true stress that we're uh, we're undergoing here. I agree. Yeah, the, the 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 party line is continuing. You know, the, the gentleman that runs the UN just came out the other day with, you know, gasoline exploding and said, you know, uh, this is the head of UN is like, you know, fossil fuels. You know, it's clear those are dead. We got to move towards electric vehicles. We got to be better to the planet, the whole thing. And you're like, wow, they're just going right into overdrive and, and trying to step on the gas as we go here. So, yeah, it's getting a little bit scary. And, and uh, you know, crude oil is telling us by the by the pricing you know, it's kind of still climbing the stairs higher. And I, I'm, I'm saying I've, I've been instructed to my clients that I've let out a lot of my oil, com the commodity, but that doesn't mean the trade is over on the long side and the price action is telling us it's not. And as long as the other, as long as there are a couple of other commodities in the complex firing off to new highs, that's just going to get people, you know, more attached to the energy and commodity trade in whatever way they can. So it's going to get that flywheel of positive, uh, positive price action going. I really believe that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I 100% agree with you that this is uh, there's no easy way out for for us right now is uh, the way the way we're going and the, the actions that have already been taken once again, to reiterate in my view, it's changed the course of, uh, of energy policy. And in my my honest opinion, I know this is a daily briefing, but I'm going to make it like the, the, the secular briefing for a minute and just say, I think that we're going to look back on these days, these very days in a few years and realize that something changed right here, right now. And a, the pendulum that swung away from the divestment of fossil fuels and away from traditional hydrocarbons, it's swinging back that way. Energy security is going to be valued more coming out of this. You know, so all those stocks, for the reasons we said at the beginning of this, they're going to re-rate higher. You know, mid-cycle valuations get at least a 20% boost from this, in my opinion. Uh, you can call it a new super cycle. You can call it a secular turn. You can call it whatever you want. But uh, we went too far uh, away from that. And, you know, we we wrote a report last November and basically said, uh, even under aggressive decarbonization plans, we have, you know, about 1.5% annual hydrocarbon consumption growth through 2040. And so the pie continues to grow, even if you shrink the portion that's hydrocarbons, here's the bottom line. So you have to do something to secure that and make sure that where we're getting that from and sourcing that doesn't make us vulnerable. So that's my that's that's my two cents on. It. And I think that when we look back, it's going to be this going to be a major turning point. Um, I know this is getting close to like the the end of where we we stop, right? I mean, this is this is about okay. thirty. Yeah, there's, a, there's a question we can find. We can feel that. Otherwise, we can try to figure out how to wrap it up. Right. I mean, I just wanted to hit before we left. It's there's just so much stuff today. Is the thing. It's one of those days. Like I said, it's we have a ton of questions. I think the one that really makes the most sense to wrap up is what's happening with nickel. You mentioned it. And it got like any other day, it probably would have been the main focus of our conversation, but like it got swept aside in the uh, in the noise. So you have any uh, quick thoughts on, on nickel and the uh, extraordinary actions of the LMA? 
All I have is some thoughts, you know, unfortunately, Warren, like like the Ukraine Russia conflict, I find it really difficult to get information that I can lean on as completely factual. Right. So so this is um, symptomatic of, you know, a clear um, short cover, short squeeze and nickel at some level where some player was caught short somewhere on the calendar. And, you know, their clearing house just said that position is getting taken away. You know, whether it was due to ruble stress, whether it was due to a margin call in base metals somewhere, nobody knows. But what happens is it, whether whether it was, um, you know, R- Russia pushing the price of, of, of nickel higher to push commodities away from people and, and, and break up the globalist, um, you know, ESG party for good. Who knows? That might be because the signs that you see on the screen, you know, to kind of touch back to what you said just earlier, you know, KRBN, the carbon credit trade, that was a huge 40 percent pullback off of the highs. And that went from something that for me looked like a trend that I wanted to get into and participate to watching it back off against what was going on in the world with Dutch natural gas exploding and oil prices exploding here and going, wait a minute. Uh, this might be a signal that this idea is not going to work anymore. And and you have to take that into a non-zero probability, too. So we're going to definitely have these forces going back and forth between politics trying to, you know, cling to fossil fuels and politics trying to, you know, move right on into the electric um, world with the, despite the dangers of doing so. So that's going to be the battle that we're going to have to be in and the trade that we're going to have to figure out, at the, I feel, for years to come now. Yeah, well, math and physics are kind of undefeated, so that's where we're going to end up. Uh, Platitudes, they're certainly undefeated, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that's, I think we jammed a lot in the show. Um, I, this first time, I appreciate uh, Real Vision having me, and uh, it was a lot of fun getting to talk with you about markets. I appreciate everybody watching uh, the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Tony and I will be back, I think, the next Tuesday. I think that's the plan. So I think in next Tuesday we'll be back on and to run it back. Uh, tomorrow, Darius Dale and Jared Dillian will be here. Uh, and then later in the week, Raul Paul will be uh, on, I think, on Friday. And uh, you won't want to miss that. So make sure you turn in, tune in every day. Good stuff coming from the daily briefing. So once again, thank you, Tony. I'm Warren Pies with 314 Research. Have a good one. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.